Good morning and welcome to Tuesday morning, June the 28th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we're in Year C, proper week nine, and this is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Tuesday of the week, we'll take a look at the psalm passage, which comes from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. And this week in the church's calendar year, and we find ourselves in Psalm 30. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When Our Eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of God for us. The title of the psalm is a bit of a riddle because on the one it says it's a psalm of David, but it also says this is a psalm for the dedication of the temple. So we know through the uh, Old Testament story that Solomon, David's son, was actually going to build the temple and dedicate the temple. And so some scholars think that this is a psalm maybe from the past, uh, written by David, but that was used in the later parts of the Old Testament period or the intertestamental period when the new temple is being built and it's being dedicated. That term dedication is uh, for, goes to the Hebrew word for Hanukkah. And so some even think that this is like in the intertestamental period during the Maccabean Rebellion where they won the temple back from pagan occupation and they um, had this weird occurrence where God really came through for them and against all odds were able to fight off their enemies and were able to last longer than everyone expected because the strength of God was with them. And so that seems to fit with the context here. The writer of the psalm is in a, a desperate place, right? Uh, is probably towards the end of death, but is healed, is brought back uh, to a place of full, uh, full, enthusiastic and animated existence. And what we have here in Psalm 30 is a window into the afterlife belief of ancient Judaism. Uh, some of the scholarship that I've been able to use for preparing for today has like this contrast between the afterlife idea of the Egyptians were from as early as the fourth millennium BC. They believed that there was some sort of an afterlife where you were judged by the gods of the underworld. And if you passed your test and examination, you're able to go into an afterlife of bliss 
instead of judgment. And so they, as we can imagine, as we, you know, just through a cursory reflection of things that we've been told and things that we've seen about archaeology, um, about ancient Egypt, they were like, you know, buried stuff with them and funeral rites and so that they could have some stuff on the other side. You contrast that with the other Mesopotamian worlds and communities where the afterlife was, uh, you know, next to nothing. Some thought it was just a shadowy existence. Um, some thought it was like, you know, result of like a black and white or, or a sepia toned film where people are left kind of a place of darkness or of shade. It's sometimes translated from the um, ancient text. And so this is what we see in Psalm 30 is more of an affinity for the Mesopotamian um, communities instead of the Egyptian communities. And this goes to the heartbeat of what's going on in the Old Testament. It seems like when God uh, chose Israel and he wanted to um, give them some sort of an incentive to follow him, that incentive incentive was not what you get on the afterlife if you choose to trust in me. Um, but the incentive is that God chose Israel from all the nations to be his people. And so that is their rewards, that they get to be God's people. They get like an advanced standing. They get the law, uh, the adoption document of the people of God. And they get to live uh, the most faithful and deep existence of humanity, which is life with God and life with one another and love of neighbor and love of self. And so that's the very heart of the uh, Old Testament idea of the afterlife. And so it gets to like this, like, you know, towards the end of this psalm. And you get this interesting line where the psalmist is trying to reason with God in the midst of their desperation. They say, To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. And so the psalmist is saying, what pleases you is worship. And what good is it if I go down to the depths, if I'm not here to worship you? I mean, will the dust call out to you? Now, we do think about Jesus' triumphal entry, and when he's trying to be silenced by his opponents, he said, if the praises of God more or less are still, then even the rocks would cry out. But even though that sounds marvelous, that sounds wonderful, that God would cause rocks to cry out. It doesn't seem to be uh, the best. It doesn't seem to be like the fullest picture of God's creation. I mean, God's God created this world. And he put human beings as image-bearing likeness people, his icons in the midst of it, to to reflect God's glory into the earth and to worship and not to be given over to idolatry. Uh, the, the, the best occupation that we have as God's people is to sing his praises. And so the psalmist says, what good is it if I go down to the depths? Um, you want praise. Like that's, that's your, uh, that's your intent of this whole creation project is for your people to praise you. Here I am. I want to praise you. I don't want to be taken down into the pit. I want, don't want to see my life cut short. And so the psalmist seems to be doing this faithful bartering with God. Leave me here and I will praise you. And so we have this interesting window into how the ancient Israelites were reckoning with their existence. They wanted to make the most of it. And what made the most of it was to praise God and to trust God and to tell of his great faithfulness. There's a lot of different ways that we can talk about the faithfulness of God in our day. That's through just our quiet acts of service. It's our way of being uh, people of great patience and quietness in the midst of shouting and anger. It's to be people who have an integrity about us, that we're bound together and we're the same people no matter what setting that we're in. And, and that uh, somehow in a mystery brings praise to God. When we bind up the brokenhearted and set captives free, that brings praise to God. And so what we look at 
as we allow our souls to rise meet God this morning is to think about our day, like open up that calendar app and see all the things that are in front of us and begin to ask the question, God, what's the best way to praise you with all this? What's the best way to bring praise to my God, to reflect your glory in the earth? Because when I do so, that's the very heart of who I am. It's the very heart of what you created me to be. So with that in mind, knowing that we have a day in front of us, let's spend some time praying to our God and have him reveal how we can praise him in all the coming and going of today. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we consider and reckon our lives. We know that we are created in your image and in your likeness, and therefore our occupation is to worship you and it's to reflect your glory in the earth through service and through mission and through kindness and reconciliation and forgiveness and so god this day we reckon with our calling and we thank you that jesus you go before us not only do you save us from our sins but you teach us the way of righteousness and godliness Uh, you give us grace to go all the way to the end and so we call upon you once more as our souls rise to meet you because we need your help today we need your help to reckon with our calling and we, we, we see all that lies in front of us today and we see it as an opportunity uh, to draw closer to you and to live into the depth of your presence and so God this day we need your help and we pray that you would lead us uh, that we sense your comfort that we sense uh, your nearness and that your nearness would be to us for our good as your word says and so God open our eyes rescue us like this psalmist says rescue us from a life that's diminished and allow us to Um, Take upon this great calling of praising you, uh, because that's what you've created us to do. So allow us to live into the depth of that today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.